In today's talk, I'm going to highlight two aspects of metta. One is metta as having a good heart, and the other one is metta as selfless caring. Some time ago, a journalist asked the Dalai Lama, what is your religion? And it seems like this journalist then expected a long and detailed explanation about the Buddha's teaching, Buddhist philosophy, and maybe, you know, how it is different from other religions. But the answer that the Dalai Lama gave was very short. He simply said, my religion is kindness. So instead of highlighting the difference between Buddhism and other religions, he simply highlighted that which is common. Because kindness or metta is not something that exclusively pertains to Buddhism or to any other religion. Kindness is a universal quality that can be found around the world in human beings. Wherever there are human beings, there can be kindness. And even other beings, like animals, can show kindness to other animals or to human beings. I know two Catholic nuns, Kathleen and Margaret, and they have dedicated their life to be kind and friendly human beings. At one time, they lived in a Muslim village in the Philippines. They lived there basically just being nice neighbors. They would help the, the villagers, for example, to fill in a form, or they would take somebody to the doctor, or they showed them how to plant medicinal plants, or they were teaching them to use a sewing machine so that the women could sew a nice dress for their children. They spent eight years living in that village, and then they moved on to a different place, as is usual for them. But the people in the village were very sad when these two nuns left. And the villagers said that these two Catholic nuns helped them to become better Muslims. And for the two nuns, this was the most heartening compliment that they could get. Near the town or city of Mandalay, here in Upper Burma, there is a very famous and big monastery 
where hundreds of monks and novices learn the scriptures. And this monastery was established by the late Mahagandayon Sayado. He lived from 1900 to 1977. And actually, Sayado Uindaka, he had also studied there in that monastery. So this Mahagandayon monastery is well known and famous for its strict discipline and also for the high quality of the teachings. Mahagandayon Sayado was a very learned monk, but he had also the gift to teach the Dhamma in plain and simple words to lay people. He wrote many books. So the monastic discipline, the rules for the monks, is kept very strictly in that monastery. But Mahagandayon Sayado had set up a list with 10 points to be followed by everybody. And the first and the most important point is to have a good heart. Of course, in other terms, this means metta. Other points out of these 10 points include, for example, to keep one's body clean, also to keep one's room, the environment clean. Another point is to be pure in speech. And only the last and the tenth point is to learn and study well. We must remember, this is a study monastery. So I think it's quite significant that a wise and learned monk like Mahagandayon Sayado stressed the importance to have a good heart so much, giving it even more importance than to pass all the exams. And in the explanation to these 10 points, in the explanation to have a good heart, he said we should act, speak, and think with a good heart and always think of how to benefit others and ourselves and always try to avoid causing harm to ourselves and others. If our actions spring from a good heart, from a metta heart, then they will be beneficial, they will be wholesome. Here comes another example of a very ordinary person, a man who manifested that quality of having a good heart. He was a prisoner, and together with other prisoners, 
They were waiting in a room before they had to appear before court. The room was locked, and in front of the door, there was a security man. There was a little window in the door, and all of a sudden, one of the prisoners saw through the little window that the security guard fell on the ground. So this prisoner and then uh, the other prisoners, they started to shout, trying to get attention that somebody would come and look what had happened to the guard. But nobody came. And so this prisoner, together with some others, they tried to forcefully open that door to take care of the security guard. And the prisoner who had taken the initiative later then said, we forcefully opened the door and left our room, although we knew how dangerous it was. Some were afraid that the police would come and shoot us. But for me, it was just common sense to help this guard. It didn't matter that he, that he was wearing a uniform and that he had a weapon. He is a good person. So then finally, the police men arrived. And of course, first of all, they had really thought that the prisoners wanted to escape and that they had knocked down the security guard. But in the end, everything was clarified and the guard very soon recovered from his loss of consciousness. As I have said, to have a good heart is one way of expressing the attitude of benefiting others and not causing any harm. We also can call this an altruistic attitude or an attitude of selfless caring. In the Metta Sutta, that we chant very often, as we did also last night, we have these words. You know them very well. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the whole world. So here the Buddha uses the image of a mother's love for her only child. Well, I think this applies to every child a mother has. So the Buddha said that a mother would risk her own life to protect her child. And with this, he points to this attitude of unconditional love, 
and selfless caring. So this attitude of an unconditional love or selfless caring is a purely altruistic attitude. It's this genuine wish for the welfare, happiness, good health of the child or any other person, any being. So one stands back and puts the needs or the happiness of another person before one's own needs. So this image of a mother's love for her child is a worldly example that can easily be understood by everybody. It's nothing complicated, and it doesn't need a lot of deep understanding, whether it be intellectual understanding or meditative understanding. Everybody can relate to this image. Maybe you remember the terrorist attack in Paris at a concert hall, Bataclan. This was in November 2015. And among the many people who had died in that attack was a 35-year-old mother who was at the concert with her five-year-old son. So as the shooting started, she threw herself over her son and protected him with her body. And she was hit by a bullet and died. But her son survived. He was not injured at all. So usually, mothers do their best for their child, their children. They do so much for their children. They go out of the way to feed the children, to dress them, or to facilitate a good education. But, of course, this is not going to say that fathers do not equally care for their children. They also go out of their way and do very much for their children. So as we can see, metta is an altruistic state of the heart and mind. And likewise are the other Brahma-viharas an altruistic state of heart and mind. In the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, they talk a lot about bodhicitta. And the word bodhicitta literally means awakened mind or enlightened mind. And the way this word use, usually is used refers to the attitude of becoming awakened or liberated for the benefit 
of all beings. So the point is that we do not only strive to become enlightened, liberated for ourselves, only for our own benefit, but that we engage in this practice of liberation for the benefit of all living beings. Sometimes teachers and people from the Mahayana tradition reproach the Theravada tradition that the Theravadins are selfish because they strive to attain liberation only for their own benefit and not for the benefit of all beings. And so this is why that that they call the tradition of the southern Buddhist countries Hinayana, meaning the lesser vehicle. You know, countries like Burma, Thailand, Sri Lanka. And the northern Buddhist countries, they call Mahayana, meaning the bigger vehicle. Countries like Tibet, China, Japan, Korea, or Taiwan. Of course, this is a classification that has no valid base. We only need to look at some of the very early discourses of the Buddha to see that this altruistic attitude or bodhicitta, was a cornerstone of the Buddha's teaching right from the beginning. Once the Buddha had become uh, awakened and once he started to teach, many of his first disciples became fully liberated. They became arahants. So when there were 60 arahants, the Buddha, the Buddha told them to go out into the world and share the Dhamma. I think it is very important to acknowledge that the Buddha did not tell these monks to be satisfied with their attainment and now sit back and relax for the rest of their lives. On the contrary, the Buddha kicked them out. He told them, you go out into the world and share the Dhamma and spread the Dhamma. And it, it's interesting to know this was only uh, after, or this was after the Buddha had given only two discourses by then there were 60 arahants. So then, these are the words of the Buddha. He told these 60 arahants. Wonder force, O monks, for the welfare of the multitude, for the happiness of the multitude, out of compassion for the world, for the good welfare 
and happiness of devas and humans. Let not two go the same way. There are beings with little dust in their eyes who are falling away because they do not hear the Dhamma. There will be those who will understand the Dhamma. I too will go to Uruvela in order to teach the Dhamma. Or here comes another example from a sutta in the Majjhimanikaya where the Buddha stressed to do the purification of the heart and mind for the welfare of others. Because he was addressing a group of monks, so he speaks of he and him, a practitioner, a monk. He does not occupy his mind with self-affliction or the affliction of others or the affliction of both. He sits with his mind set on his own welfare, on the welfare of others, and on the welfare of both, and on the welfare of the whole world. And lastly, one more example that makes it very clear that we can only be truly helpful to others when we do the work of purification ourselves. Again, the Buddha. And how does a person live both for his own good and for the good of others? He himself practices for the removal of lust, hatred, and delusion, and also encourages others to do so. I have friends living in Australia. They are old uh, practitioners practicing both in the, in the Theravada tradition but also in the Tibetan tradition. It's a couple and for many years they have supported a Tibetan monk who was studying in one of the big monasteries in the south of India, one of the big Buddhist universities in the Tibetan tradition. So they supported this monk from a young age when he was still a novice until he then finally finished his studies. And when he had finished his studies, this monk, Tibetan monk, was given the opportunity to travel to Burma to this country. And of course, what he has heard from his teacher was that Burma belongs to the Theravada tradition, Burma belongs to the Hinayana, 
while here there are all the monks and nuns and lay people, the selfish ones who only practice for their own liberation, for their own selfish benefit, that there is nobody chitta, no caring for others. That's what he has been told over years and decades. But then, apparently, when he came to this country, traveling around, visiting monasteries, he came to realize that the Theravadins, that the Hinayanas, are not these own and selfish people only striving for their own liberation. Because he saw that, you know, in many monasteries, monks and nuns alike, they, they take in orphans, they establish monastic schools, they take care of the villagers, they build um, water tanks for pure water, they establish clinics, hospitals, and so on. And even lay people, he found Burmese lay people, very helpful, very friendly, very kind. Um, so he had to revise uh, whatever he had been told about the selfish Theravadins. And we have come to, to experience that ourselves as well with Ayaviranyani and four other friends. We have established this little association that we call Meta in Action. So since 2008, we extend our help and support to whoever needs it. And over the years, um, some of our priorities are to help and support the nuns because they get less support in this country than the monks get. And what we have come to see in regard to these nuns, they are far from being selfish and self-centered. They are real social workers. They take in orphans, give them an education, establish monastic school, care for them, community they live in. I mean, seeing them, what they are doing over the years, sometimes I'm just speechless and I ask myself, where do you take, where do they take the energy uh, to keep doing this year after year, year after year, not getting tired of helping others, of benefiting others, of just working for the benefit of others. Very, very inspiring. Now let's come back to the quality of metta with its altruistic aspect or the aspect of selfless caring. Acts of selfless caring are beautiful and noble. They are touching and inspiring. And they really manifest 
an open, caring heart based on a purified mind. And as I just said, such acts can really encourage us to emulate the selfless and caring behavior of another person. Here comes another example. Many, many, many years ago, it was in the late 80s, I was traveling in Ireland as a backpacker. And one day I got a profound teaching of this kind of selfless caring. So I had been hitchhiking all over Ireland. At that time, it was very common and not dangerous. And so one day, an Irish man gave me a lift to Dublin with his car. He not only just gave me a ride to Dublin, but on the way, he showed me a couple of old castles and he invited me for lunch. So when we finally got to Dublin and when he dropped me at the place I wanted to go, took my backpack and then I wanted to thank him for all his kindness. But he did not let me speak. He simply put his finger on his mouth and he said, I know, one day you will give it to somebody else. And with that, he turned around, got into his car and drove off. And I was there, speechless. So much goodness. For all his kindness, he did not ask anything in return, not even a word of thank you. It deeply touched my heart. And ever since then, I have tried, and I'm still trying, to spread this kindness of selfless caring for others. There is indeed so much beauty in an act of selfless caring, so much beauty in an act of metta-infused action. A heart full of metta radiates the goodness within us and it lightens up the heart and mind of all who are present it definitely has a strong impact on all beings. We know all ourselves from our own personal experience how beautiful and joyous it feels when the heart is full of metta and when we care for somebody else. And we also know from our own experience how beautiful and nice it feels when somebody else cares for us. Achan Munindo is an English monk 
ordained in the tradition of Achan Cha, and he is the abbot of a monastery in England, the Aruna Ratnagiri Monastery. And he says that receiving the selfless care of somebody else is like being nourished. In his own words, the feeling of being cared for is a truly wonderful thing. To receive caring from another is like receiving warmth when we are cold or like receiving food when we are hungry. It is a type of nourishment and it is an essential nourishment. I find it helpful to reflect from time to time on how I care for others and to reflect on how I feel when I am cared for. So we can reflect, for example, like this. Am I fully present when I care for somebody else? Or do I already think about cooking lunch when I take care of somebody? Or do I appreciate the care I get from somebody else? Or how do I feel when I notice that the other person is absent-minded while she offers me a massage. I have come to see that it definitely feels nicer when the other person is fully present with me. Then I really feel nourished and at ease. Then I feel held and understood. And this brings about a sense of well-being and contentment. It makes my mind happy and serene. I feel at ease, peaceful. Achan Cha, this well-known Thai meditation teacher, he died in 1992. He was very famous for his unfailing recognition of what a monk or a meditator needed in order to make progress on the way of liberation. And so here comes the story of what practice he advised to a young monk. It was not exactly what the young monk had imagined to be good for himself, for his practice. But later he realized how beneficial Ajahn Chah's advice had been. So here comes the story. One young monk who arrived at Ajahn Chah's monastery 
had previously been acquainted only with monasteries where solitary meditation was emphasized. When this monk was invited to take up the duty of attending to the teacher, he didn't immediately like it. He had thoughts like, why can't the abbot look after himself? Why does he need someone else to take care of him? He is not that old. He can do it himself. It was only after some time that he came to see for himself the point of consciously caring for another. The 17th Karmapa, the head of the Karma Kagyu lineage in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, he says that a loving thought is both very simple but also expansive. He said, being alive in the world and holding love in my heart can be an expression of my caring for others. Even that can be significant. I nourish this small thought. Or maybe it's not small, but it is simple. Very simple on the one hand, but on the other hand, it is vast and expensive. Whatever we want to call it, metta, or selfless caring, or to have a good heart, or an altruistic attitude, there is a tremendous power in this quality of the heart and mind. It really conduces to unity and peace to love and trust. So whenever we dwell with a heart full of metta, it sets free energies which can work wonders, big and small, as in the case of the prisoner or as in the case of the Indonesian woman that I mentioned in my last talk. As much as another person benefits from our selfless caring, we ourselves benefit as well. Actually, we ourselves benefit as much as the other person, or even more. These altruistic actions, they bring so much joy and happiness into our lives. We feel elated. We feel deeply nourished. So actually, with an altruistic attitude or with a meta attitude, we create a win-win 
situation. Everybody involved wins. Everybody benefits. There are no losers. And on top of this, a caring and loving attitude towards another person or other persons, this establishes a relationship between these persons. And even if it is only a very loose relationship, even if one has not much to do with the other person or the persons, it is still a relationship. And a kind-hearted relationship with others, this gives a sense of community. It gives a sense of belonging. Or it gives a sense of being part of something bigger. The following story illustrates this point very nicely. A group of people is seated around a big table in a park. In front of their plate, each person finds a small bottle of wine. Before the meal is served, one person will pour his wine not into his or her own glass, but into the glass of the person who sits next to him or her. And then the person, that person in turn, will pour their bottle of wine into the glass of their neighbor, and so on, until everybody's glass is filled with wine. So you know, in an economic sense, nothing has happened. No one has any more wine than they did as to begin with. But filling one's neighbor's glass, a loving community has appeared where there had been none before. Our day-to-day -day life offers uncountable opportunities to manifest a caring and loving attitude and therefore establish a kind-hearted relationship. For example, quite a number of years ago, I made it a practice to greet people on the street when I would go for a walk or when I would go shopping, walking to the nearby shop, about 15 minutes walk. And the streets that I had to walk to go to the shop were not very busy streets, you know, with uh, many, many, many people walking on the sidewalk. There was not this constant stream of people who passed me. You know, it was every now and again a person would walk in, in the other direction, so kind of towards me. As I said, 
I made it a practice just to extend um, a kind greeting. In Swiss we greet Grüezi or Grüezi miteinander, hello or good morning, good afternoon, whatever. And it was, and it is, it, I still keep doing it, an interesting experience. With some people, you know, as they come closer, there is eye contact. And so I uh, <coughs> greet them friendly. Grüezi, guten Morgen. And then some people uh, respond the greeting also saying a friendly Grüezi, guten Morgen. With other people, although there is some eye contact and although I extend a friendly greeting, nothing comes back. <laughs> some other people, as they come closer, they would just look straight ahead or look to the ground and I still greet them, Grüezi. And some of them, then in surprise, they would look up and a bit startled, also say Grüezi. <laughs> and then there are those people who can't just keep their eyes down and walk past without responding in any way. So, you know, based on my personal experience, I can say that, re that I like a friendly greeting from another person. You know, sometimes it's even the other person who greets first. I realize, yes, it lifts my spirits, it makes me happy, and it connects me to this other person, even if it is just in a very light and loose way. Or another practice that I have started to do many years ago, and one that I also uh, keep doing, that I still do, is to say or to convey a thank you to the car, the person driving the car, stopping in front of a zebra. In Switzerland, since a number of years, I have forgotten when that law passed, but it's the law that if a person stands in front of a zebra, a car has to stop and let the person cross the zebra. So then, as the car stops and as I start to cross the zebra, I thank the driver with a nod of the head, thank you, or with a gesture of the hand. And there is a moment of eye contact with the person driving the car. And as I do it smilingly, then often a smile appears on the face of the driver. 
and so a happy moment for both of us. And it's a fleeting but kind connection to another person, another being. You know, in that case, crossing the street on a zebra, I could think because it is a law that the car must stop, there is no need to thank the driver for stopping and letting me cross the street because it's something that the driver has to do by law. So why should I thank him or her? But it is exactly such small acts of metta that we can manifest our metta attitude. By such acts, we can manifest the heart's goodness. So we can use all aspects of our life to embody our basic human goodness. Another example, short one. In 2001, as the World Trade Centers burned in New York, one man slowly lowered a colleague in a wheelchair one step at a time down 68 floors, and they made it out in time. So selfless caring or an altruistic attitude or call it to have a good heart, a meta-attitude, this brings a rare beauty into the world. And it's a beauty that is priceless. It's a beauty that cannot be bought and on top of that, it's a treasure that can never be stolen or destroyed. May we all be able to cultivate this basic human goodness of having a good heart further and deeper and spread it all over the world for the benefit of all living beings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.